This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Welcome back. This is Theology on Fire, Episode 2, Why Base My Life on the Bible. So, Leah, what are we going to talk about today? Um, Well, just simply that, we're going to be answering um, in a very simple way why we should, why we can base our life on the Bible, the Word of God. And just want to start off by saying that, that we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And um, I just want to go straight to the beginning, um, literally Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. Um, That's where it all began. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, and that's, that's Adam, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then in the next chapter, um, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, that's Eve, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did you hear that when I read that in chapter 3? Uh, so, uh, so in chapter two, God said, you shall surely die. And then in chapter three, uh, the, the, Satan, the devil, he comes and he says, oh, you will not surely die. So there, even from the beginning, we see that the tax, tactics of Satan have never changed. It's the questioning of the word of God. Is it really what he said? Amen. Did God really say that? That's basically what he was saying. Oh, God, God didn't quite say that. And that's where sin began. That's where sin entered the world. That's where doubting began. That's where skepticism and pride came in. And that's where Adam and Eve lost their childlike faith and gave in to the enemy's whispers. And I just want to talk about that childlike faith a little bit. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 It says, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then in chapter 10, verse 13, it says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked him. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. You know, the Lord, he he loves us to be childlike. That's what he asks us to be. That's what he desires us to be. And it doesn't mean immature. It doesn't mean that you are a simpleton. It means that you are trusting, that you are humble, that you are tender. You know, God never said when it comes to believing the whole Bible, he never said it was going to make you look really smart. 
You know, in fact, actually, if we look at the example of Jesus, it would seem in the eyes of the world, we would look quite the opposite. You know, the smart people in those days, in the days of Jesus, those educated Pharisees, they mocked and belittled Jesus as he walked on the earth. You know, they did not accept him. You know, so following, if we follow Christ's example, we should probably know that to follow God, we won't be accepted by the majority of this world. You know, we probably won't be seen as the most intellectual. You know, it doesn't mean we go out looking for confrontation, you know, but just as we naturally surrender to the word of God and everything in it, we're just naturally not going to be pleasing to those who despise God and love themselves and, and are proud. It's like one preacher said a long time ago, B.H. Clendenin, the world is not a misunderstood friend. The world literally lies in the embrace of the wicked one, is what the Bible says. They're in the hug of Satan. They're in the arms of the devil. And it may seem quite dramatic to say that, but it's not us who's saying that. We're simply quoting scripture. And in Galatians 1.10, Paul said this, and this is something we can all struggle with. It says, Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Even for the Apostle Paul, if it had never been a temptation for him to seek the approval of man versus the approval of God, he never would have written this. The Holy Spirit never would have penned this through him. And we have to avoid this trap. It's very difficult, especially in this politically correct culture all over this world that we live in. But in Christ, we overcome this. We don't have to live this way anymore. That's right. Um, another thought I had just preparing for this is, you know, like some people, I've definitely heard people say, oh, well, it, just, it was just a bunch of men that wrote it. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, we could look at it that way. And, um, but there are, there are out there, we're not really going to focus on this aspect of it, although it is very valuable. And there are a lot of people that have done wonderful research, a lot of hard work, to basically prove how the Bible is in fact very factually true and it doesn't contradict itself. You know, it's actually backed up by historical events and writings from other historians through time. There are prophecies in there that have come true later, even some in the past 100 years, you know, and, and it, that's all very valuable. It is out there for you to find. And, um, you know, don't devalue that. But um, really... If you're confused about the Bible being written by man and that thought troubles you and you just wonder, oh, but but what about this and what about them, that? And men are just men and they are full of flaws and they are not perfect and you're right. But I would encourage you to just lift your eyes a bit higher and go back to that childlike faith that Adam and Eve had before the sin entered. They just trusted God with what he said, you know, God chose that method to bring the word of God to us. He chose to bring it through men. He chose men to create these writings. So can we not just trust God and his ability to get his pure and infallible word through men? Is he not God enough to do that? Is he not capable? Absolutely. It has always been God's method to perform what he wants to perform in the earth through man. He's always been looking for a vessel. It says in 2 Peter 1, 16 to 21, for we did not, this is Peter speaking, remember, a chosen apostle of Jesus Christ. 
He was not a nobody. He walked with him during that time of ministry. This is what Peter says. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, an eyewitness who's speaking here. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Eyewitnesses, recording events in the Bible from the life of Christ. Verse 19, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is very important. Knowing that, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture come from, comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we see here, how Scripture was actually inspired. This is where we get the word inspiration. These men, God spoke this word. The Holy Spirit oversaw the writing of Scripture through men, men who had received the word of God themselves and were now writing it out. So, amen. And if, if we are saved, you know, that means you're trusting His ability to cleanse you of your sin due to the death of his perfect sinless son. You know, there's faith, there's childlike faith just from the beginning of your relationship with the Lord. Then if we can believe him for that, can we not then just believe him that he gave us his word, even through man? I mean, that's faith too. That's the whole basis of our relationship with God is faith. That's what the Bible says. That's how we overcome. It's by our faith. That's how we overcome sin and overcome the things in, in this earth that we face. It's, it's faith. It doesn't make sense all the time. It's not the most logical when God promises that one day that we will be like him and we're going to rule in heaven with him. It isn't logical or fair that we should be called sons and daughters of God, but we are by faith in Jesus. And by faith in Jesus, I just know that he's given us his Bible and it's perfect and it's true. You know, in Hebrews eleven six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of, to those who seek him. And I know we said we we're going to get very deep, but just to mention even one thing. I mean, there's no ancient text so validated as the Bible. We have over 26,000 fragments of Scripture, of the New Testament, over 5,000 full books and copies of scriptures in Greek and in other languages, so very close to the time of the apostles. There is no other text so validated that God ensured that we would have it to this day. And today, we have even better Bible translations than we've ever had. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. We have in our hands the very Word of God. So why do people find it so hard to believe and I think there are varying reasons but I think probably the biggest one is just pride I think we are too proud to tell people that we believe in God 
that he created the earth in seven days, that he became a man and lived a perfect life and then died to pay the price for our sins and rose again three days later. It's eccentric. It's uncomfortable. It's not explainable. It is humbling. It's childlike. It's just childlike faith. I believe you, God. I believe you, Heavenly Father. What you said is true. And another reason very much tied to pride is just rebellion against God. Uh, If I believe that the Bible is true, that it means its claims on my life are true. That means if I am lost, if, if I don't know Christ, I'm bound for a Christless eternity in a place called hell, and that's very uncomfortable. And it means that the, my lifestyle now is in contrast to what God wants it to be. That honestly is one reason I know that some people, I have, I know one person I can think back in time where you can see they're enjoying their sin, and they would much rather think of the universe as being what is guiding their life rather than a real living, personal God who's made clear moral demands on their life. They'd rather have the universe organize things for their life because they're living a life of sin, and they'd rather enjoy that sin for a season than face the God who says it's wrong. Amen. And I know when you say the universe, we're really just talking about those who just don't believe in God and they just want to make their own God. I mean, people say the universe or Mother Nature or whoever, and it's just creating your own religion because at the end of the day, man doesn't want to be accountable to God and his word. You know, that, and it's like you said, it's just rebellion. It, it makes you accountable and people don't want that. They want to be free to live how they would like to live. And that's why people often will, Oh, they'll say, oh, I do believe the Bible, but they don't believe it 100%. You know, they just believe the parts they like to believe, the parts that that don't interfere with their personal lives. They pick and choose. And I honestly think it's, it's more crazy to do that than just believe God to be who he said he is. You either believe him or you don't. He's either God or he isn't. He's either the creator of the universe or he's not. And, I, he, and he is. And this is what he says about his word. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. He holds his word at a very high standard. He values it. It is his word. It's infallible. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It is not out of date. You have to believe that. You have to have faith that it's always relevant, and it is. Old Testament to New Testament, it is relevant, it is true, and he is faithful to it. Second Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You will not fool the Lord. He sees your thoughts and intentions. And when you approach his word and you push some of it to the side and take the parts you like, he sees that. 
He sees what you're doing and he sees through it. And he wants you to know that all of it is true. All of it is good. He did create the world in seven days. He did become a man and was born of a virgin. He did do those things. We just have to be childlike and believe him in faith. If we don't trust the word of God in its fullness, it's like holding a shield so it only covers a part of your body, like it just covers your leg or your arm. And what's the point in that? You know, there's so much exposure to the devices of the enemy when we don't accept all of Scripture as the Word of God. That's right. You cannot be protected from false doctrine. I cannot be protected from false doctrine if I don't know and trust the whole Word of God. It's just like you were saying earlier, Leah, it's so crazy to think that somehow we're wise enough to try to pick and choose the very parts of the Bible that we think are applicable to our lives. It's foolishness is what that is. And, you know, we could be sucked into any number of things if we don't take the Word of God in its fullness. We could go onto the one ditch on one side, which would be on biblical signs and wonders and manifestations which are not of the Holy Spirit, or we could err to the other side, even within religion I'm talking about right now, where we would be dry and dead and we don't believe that the Holy Spirit moves today. We could go to either one of these ditches, but the Word of God, when we take it as what it says, is as the Word of God, there's life there's freedom, there's truth. Let's just think about this. Christianity uh, and different denominations and such, they have given up a literal seven-day creation because Charles Darwin came along with a theory of evolution. And just in case you didn't know, it's still called the theory, not the law, but the theory. And they've accepted it, hook, line, and sinker. And so they've changed their theology to somehow accommodate something they felt intimidated by. They feel like they have to admit that evolution is somehow true and try to make the Word of God change to incorporate these ideas. When the Scriptures are so clear, Romans 5.12 refutes evolution. No one can refute this. If you really believe the Word of God and you have started to believe in evolution and that that's true and you've given up seven literal days of creation, listen to this, Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and through that one man is Adam, as we see in the entire book of Romans, sin entered in through Adam, and death through sin. So we see that man, Adam, sinned, and then death came in through that sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So we see very clearly here that the Bible says that death never entered into this world until Adam sinned. Whereas evolution requires millions of deaths over millions of years just to get to the man. But God has turned that on its head and said, no, this is what's happened. So at that point right there, I would just challenge you. You have either got to reject evolution or you have got to reject the clear word of God. You've got to make a choice. Are you going to go with what your fellow people and your culture say to try to fit in with them? Or will you join, will we join the millions of other people over time that have said, you know what, I'm not going to be rude, I'm not going to be unkind, but I side with the Lord God, and I lovingly tell you that I stand with Him and His truth. That's what we're faced with. Amen. And that's why it just comes back to having that childlike faith and just believing God is who He said He is. 
If we're not able to believe things like God created the entire world and universe in seven days, we're open to doubt he can do almost anything. Can he deliver you from that sin of bitterness you struggle with so constantly? Can he heal your heart from all of its aches and wounds from the past? What about that horrible fear that constantly torments you? What about all those bills that are adding up and you don't know how you're going to pay them? If you don't believe he created the world, you're leaving a door wide open to doubt whether he could really do anything in your life. You're leaving a door open to bitterness, to skepticism, and to atheism. And like Eve, you're given ear to the serpent. Did God really say that? Can God really do that? Is that really who God is? His word is either divine or it is a, just a nice book of ideas. It cannot be both. And he does not accept mixture. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, he says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God is just looking for simple, childlike faith. Will we take him at his word? Do we believe him for who he said he is? In Numbers chapter 23 verse 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? He is not like us. He is God. He is faithful to his word. He is true. He is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is going to meet your need. He is going to give you strength when you are weak. He did create the world. He did give you a way to access him. Even though you are a sinner born in sin, he made a way of forgiveness. He is who he said he is. Trust him. Trust him that he is God and receive all the fullness he has for you through his word. Just come to his word in childlike faith. Believe him and have confidence in this world of doubt. You can have confidence. You can have life. And it's there right before you. It's in the Bible and it's true. We can hold and read and explore and study the truth of God. He has given it to us. It's written down and it's alive and it's living and it's a sword. It's powerful. It will defend you. It will protect you. It will give you health. It will give you wisdom. It will give you words of life. It will give you promises and he's faithful to it. Amen. Why don't we close with a word of prayer here? Lord God, just thank you so much. Your word is all of these things. Your word is life. You you breathed in the very beginning, and you breathed into man, and you made him a living soul, Lord, and you have breathed out your word. It's life. You said that the words you speak, they're life, Lord Jesus, and that you've, you are that living word. Everything we read, it's your character, it's who you are. And Lord, I just pray for every person who hears this, 
that, Lord, if they're doubting, if they're struggling, you would help them, you'd meet with them, you need to refresh their spirits, and they would just trust in you. You would help them, God. Lord God, to refute the lies of the enemy, that they cannot trust the word of God because it is trustworthy above all else. Love you, Lord. I give them to you. Pray you would bless us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.